Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. My name is Sith Lede. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Badwater. How you doing? I'm much better this week. Last week I was down and out for the count for half the week with the cold from hell. You know, it's one, one of those things where you're sore just from laying down for days on end. So, but... Um, Got over that over the weekend and doing much better. Uh, well, glad to hear it. Um, you had plenty of recuperation time to be uh, watching the volleyball team on a pretty historic run. Uh, they made it to the Elite Eight um, and were in a position to advance to the to the Final Four um, in women's volleyball if they just could have you know gotten that match point in the fourth uh, set. Um, how would you you know the the season is over? Can you give me like what's your reaction to this season? Well, I, I think that the volleyball team can't look at this as anything but, uh, you know, heck of a success. Um, they, um, they benefited from uh, having a rising star in Mimi Coyer, and they benefited from the addition of Hannah Pukas as a setter, and... Yeah, boy, they were just never give up, and and it showed. They had a, a very successful closing run, and it's it's oh, too yeah, bad. They completely that... tore up the Pac-12. You know, like they beat mm-hmm. Stanford, who was the 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 Pac-12 champ. Although interestingly, Stanford went out the same day that Oregon did. They lost in a big upset to San Diego. Um, yeah, San Diego State's the the Cinderella right now. And, uh, and yeah, but they just completely tore up the, the Pac-12 with the exception of like a, a three-game streak in which they, they well, I think it was four game, four matches um, in, in which they did not have Mimi Collier and they, they lost three of them. And they're like, that well, was they, it. They didn't, they didn't have Hannah Pukas. Or right? Hannah Pukas, sorry. Yeah, uh, Ferreira um, was, was setting in her place. She, she was out with an injury. So, like... Yeah, man. I mean, you can sort of it's a direct line uh, between the two of those, you know, things. And otherwise, like they just couldn't be stopped. And then they get to the tournament. Um, you know, they, they I think they had Loyola Marymount in the first round. Obviously, they they clobbered them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they beat Arky, uh, Arkansas, actually fairly handily, like a little more handily than I was even expecting. Um and then uh, it, it was a, and then in the the round of sixteen, um, they 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 had a you know a good dogfight against Nebraska. And at points, I was, I was sort of thinking Nebraska kind of looks like maybe the better team. But then Oregon like rallied back, and I was like, oh, mate, eat my words. Um, Nebraska's defense is really good. Like that's yeah. a lot yeah, of are. really tall ladies um, and a lot of like. Uh, you know, a lot of blocks that I think, you know, they would have pulled off, you know, against just about any other opponent like Nebraska was blocking. Um, well, Nebraska still had twice the blocks of Oregon. Yeah. I mean, they're they're that good. Uh, yeah, but Oregon sent them home. Um, and then uh, then they drew Louisville uh, in Louisville, uh, right? Like, it would have been, you know, I, I sort of feel like if that Pugas injury didn't happen and Oregon won the Pac-12, which they, you know, if they tied with Stanford, they would have won, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, and gotten the automatic qualifier. Um, not that they would have, you know, needed the automatic qualifier, obviously, but, like, they beat Stanford, you know? Like, I feel if they got a host, like, they might have gotten the edge, you know? Like, they, they might have yeah. made it to the, the final four, um, it, you know? It's just that, you know, I, I don't want to 
you know, causality, you know, causality is just, it's a little too pat to say like, you know, for one of Hannah Pucas, you know, the, the horse was lost, et cetera, et cetera. But like, um, the, 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 it does sort of seem like, you know, they were so close against Louisville. Um, and, and, you know, if they had the home crowd advantage instead of, you know, going up against the home crowd advantage, that might've made the difference. Um, I mean, they would have been playing a different team because Louisville would have gotten their home region, but you know what I mean? Like, right. you know, right. Well, uh, you know, um, the, the ducks were unbeaten at Matthew Knight arena yeah. and that, uh, home crown advantage can't really be discounted. Um, be willing to wager that, uh, virtually all the teams that visited, uh, Matthew Knight Arena, maybe even Stanford include, were playing in front of the largest audience. Entirely uh, possible. Um, so, and and when you have, because I mean, the, the the other really good volleyball team in the Pac-12 is is Stanford, and, and you know they ain't showing up. Like they don't even show up for football. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So the um, um, the fact that. Louisville was hosting the regional was significant. There was nearly 8,800 fans there and that kind of pressure can't be discounted. I mean, they seemed like smart fans too. That was the other thing is that like, it definitely felt like the crowd was, you know, they, they weren't just there. Cause like, Oh, Hey, there's a thing and ladies and cool. Like, yeah, man, like they definitely were like, we're following and like cheering and gasping at the, the, the the right moments um seems mm-hmm. like a you know pretty smart and engaged fan base for the their volleyball team which is good for them that's great um and uh uh you know i saw a stat that you know that that with you know uh, oregon and uh, stanford's elimination and then uh, a couple losses in the big 10 although i think the big 10 losses were expected um that like there were no pac-12 or big 10 teams in the final four for i think the first time ever in the women's volleyball tournament yeah. you know which, which indicates that like the 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 sport is like broadening you know nationally mm-hmm. you know it's 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 one of those things that for a long time sort of been dominated by certain pockets of the country um you know the the big 10 because there's a tradition there and the pac-12 because well any any olympic sport is dominated by the pac-12 um you know pretty much anything but football <laughs> yeah uh, yeah well volleyball has also benefited from you know it's been what 23 years now where they had a significant rule change where um it used to be before 1999 that you only scored points when you surf mm-hmm. and uh, that had a tendency to really drag the game out. You know, you mean if you it, were on the receiving team on the receiving side, even if you got a kill or whatever that you didn't get a point, all you did was get the service go to you. Yes. And Wait, then the opportunity to, who, to get a point. Who decided on that one? <laughs> well, that's the way it used to be. I think, uh, I think uh, way back when, um, Wait, that's not how we did it in the PE class when I was playing volleyball. <laughs> yeah, that was... Um, it was a great uh, underhand think... server, by the way, if anybody's curious <laughs> about that. Oh, man, I was killing people with those sky shots. Yeah, I uh, I was a very defensive person then at, at the net because I wasn't terribly tall. It's all about anticipation if you don't have the height. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But with the... Um, with the rule change in 99 and having it, um, having the sides score points regardless of whether they're holding serve or not, it's 
it really sped up the game. Mm, yeah, and, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, volleyball is exciting to watch these days. I mean, it seems like a match would take twice as long if you yeah. can only score when you got the serve. Like, yeah, and and that's the thing. It it that uh, kind of makes it more easily consumed on media because yeah. you know, you're not going to have a match last longer than maybe about two hours uh, under any circumstance. Well, that Louisville match was, first of all, pretty fast paced, but you know, both the Nebraska and the Louisville one went to five. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they took care of Arkansas in four. Um, and uh, you know, that Louisville match, I mean, it was it, the, 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 the Nebraska one was like neck and neck every one of those sets. The Louisville one was weird because like they didn't really play very well in the first set. Um, then uh, it was a, it was a close second set, which Oregon won. And then Oregon just slaughtered Louisville yeah. in the third set. Um, the and then they, you know, they got killed in the fifth set. I mean, it was, that was hard to watch. Actually. I was, you know, I was actually like sitting there like, you know, coach Elmer, what do you, you know, I, I don't care what you do. You got to do something because, like, you know, what they, I think they had at one point like an eleven to two run against them. It was like nuts. Yeah, in a, in a yeah, set that goes to only fifteen, and in, in the in the fifth set it goes to fifteen instead of twenty five. And it's like, what what is happening? You know, like, and especially in a match in which they had killed Louisville in an earlier set, and were in a position, and it really just came down to that fourth set where I mean, Oregon had match point. I mean, Louisville had a couple of match points too, and obviously. You know that, or not match points at set point because they were behind by a, a, a set. But like, uh, you know, Oregon had at least one match point that I can recall and just couldn't close the deal. Um, and I mean, would have moved on. Yeah. I mean, win your match points. You know, hit your free throws. Win your match points. Right, right. And um, interestingly, the the Oregon got to match point uh, off a kill from Mimi Coyer, and then. She was silent for the rest of the match. Yeah, that was a little no crazy. Um, um, and that's I mean, the rest why... of the match was, I think, only about. Oh, you know, you're right. She she didn't have anything in the fifth set, did she? Nope. Nope. That was crazy. Nothing at all. I mean, she was she was involved. She was on the floor. It's just like she yeah. couldn't. You know, her her spikes were getting blocked. You know, um, it was just. I mean, it was really right. interesting to, to watch both of those teams like be so hot, hot and cold and, and it wasn't just like one team that was hot and cold and the other team playing consistent it was one team you know got hot when the other team got cold and then vice versa um mm-hmm. and uh you know that that's sort of you know or, oregon you know most of their matches this entire year has sort of been you know they killed them you know and, and if they lost a set you know, they, they just sort of went cold in, in one set, but whatever, they shook it off mm-hmm. and then won the other ones, right? And this yeah. was like, I think the first time all year, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if you can recall a different one in which it was like both teams had sort of that hot and cold phenomenon. Um, I think that they're both teams that were sort of used to controlling matches. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I think it kind of underscores uh, how much how much ahead the top eight or 10 teams are in the country as compared to the rest of the field. Well, Um, sure. All those, all those teams are pretty evenly matched. So, you know, I, I don't think it's uh, too unusual to run into a circumstance like that where, you know, you have really good teams trying to figure out the other really good team. 
Yeah. I mean, you're just going to be, you know, I think, you know, one of the players was interviewed. I think it was Mimi, um, you know, after the Arkansas or Nebraska, uh, you know, win. And, and, you know, the first things out of, out of her mouth is like, we knew at this point in the tournament that like every team that we play is going to be killer, you know, like you're going to be yeah. fighting, you know, every single time. And it's like, yeah. And, and, and you're, you're right. I'm not sure where exactly the cliff is, but it's similar to women's basketball um, where there's just like, I mean, let's face it, there's just not enough athletes at the top, you know, uh, caliber to go around the entire pyre entire power five right like it's just you know the the body type that you need to play but you know volleyball at the highest level is rare um and uh and you know there's just not enough of them and you know coach ulmer has done a great job hoarding them uh you know Mm -hmm. all on one team um so much so that i actually uh, we were talking a little bit off air about like i've sort of been surprised you know oregon's only lost one to the transfer portal uh roby uh, i believe um you know i got my fingers crossed that that, that that's you know it Uh, i think that's you know that 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 loss doesn't you know devastate me or anything although I, i did like watching Roby play quite a bit um and uh, uh definitely best hair on the team uh in my opinion um but uh, beyond that a fantastic uh, volleyball player far more important um uh mm-hmm. almost as good here as coach Ulmer with the like the doctor strange like <laughs> yeah. you, you think do you think that's died do you think that like that like that's not natural it can't be i i think it is natural and that's from having sat three feet away from him and talking with him. Hmm. Um, it I don't doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean that it's necessarily not, you know, manicured or, you know, mm-hmm. however you want to put it. But there's, um, if he's dying his hair, he's got to be dying his beard also. Uh, he's definitely going for a certain look. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's uh, I mean, all the, you know, all, everybody involved in that team is, is, you know, very visually striking and like, by which I mean, you can differentiate them from each other. And like, you know, mm-hmm. when then I was watching them play like these sort of Midwestern teams, you know, or, or, you know, teams from the other side of the, uh, uh, you know, Rocky mountains. And it's just like, boy, all, all these la- ladies look alike. Like they're all identical, you know? And I'm like, I, or maybe it's just cause I watch the Oregon team so much that, you know, that I'm able to tell them apart or whatever, but like, I don't know. I just really do like, you know, Oregon seems like have a really diverse team. Um, and, and like really, and, and beyond, you know, their, their backgrounds or whatever. I also mean that just like, you know, it's a bunch of different skill sets, you know, they weren't only winning points in a single way. Um, mm-hmm. and I felt like they were, uh, you know, it seemed to me, and, and you tell me if you disagree, it seemed like it was a pretty deep team, you know, that if somebody wasn't available, you know, that, that they usually had somebody, you know, the, the, the pucus, you know, the losing the setter, you know, that's, you know, it's apparently, you know, pretty difficult and, and they weren't really playing anybody, mm-hmm. but the one libero, um, uh, uh, but like, you know, they had, they, they had multiple killers, you know, like, you know, it didn't just all have to go through Collier, you know? Right, in spite of um, having Morgan Lewis um, be um, sidelined a bit and then just slowly brought back into the rotation, um, you know, they were able to survive um, having an injury on a, with a significant hitter you know, just based on the, you know, their depth at the uh, middle and outside hitter positions. but And it, it seemed like somebody would uh, always step up, you know, 
Carson Bacon would find ways to step up. Carrie Roby would step up. Um, Gloria Materi. Um, you know, I mean, and I mean, how have we gone this long without talking about Brooke Nunaville? You know, that's the, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it, you know, it, it's it's a huge departure, but uh, um, you know, the the uh, you know, the the thing that's remarkable is that you know how young this team is, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. Cole Collier's a freshman, um, you know, uh, 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 a bunch of other you know freshmen on the team, you know, who are leaders, uh, you know. Roby was a sophomore, but like, you know, Dulles Reyes is a freshman, uh, you know, Kobe Neal, right. Um, uh, Reagan hope, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, there's more who are, you know, like, you know, Beck Morse, you know, who's one of the, the, the backup liberos, um, uh, uh, McClellan, you know, like they're, they're losing none of Iller and, and Roby's transferring out. And I think there's another senior that they're also losing, um, Mutiri, right? Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty manageable set of like, you know, this team should be pretty good going forward. Um, uh, they should, even though they, they are going to miss Brooke. Yeah. She's, she's been the heart and soul of this team for five years now. And, uh, you, you have a more difficult time replacing your field general and that player that, that motivates you and brings you up in, in spite of, whatever's going wrong and in that respect she can't be replaced uh you know but but like you know they're bringing back georgia murphy the libero you know they're bringing back mimi collier they're bringing back you know almost almost all of their production you know mm-hmm. um you know and a bunch of backups and you know we'll see how their their recruiting class goes well maybe we'll cover that in the future but like you know, a, a lot of times when a team makes a deep run like this, which like this is the deepest run that Oregon's had since that 2012 season, right? Right. Yeah. Like it, it's a lot of times for a lot of teams in a lot of sports, that thing have you know, it's like, well, it's been 10 years. It's because sort of the stars align, you know, you like you have a loaded class of seniors who are all stuck together, you know, and, and like, but that's it. You only get one year out of them and they all go their separate ways. Um, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't look like that's going to be the case for next year's squad, you know, like next year's squad is going to look like this year's squad, maybe, you, you know, maybe on balance better despite you know the the, the you know loss of brook and 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 Muteri and roby uh like you know simply you know incremental improvement for all the f- folks who've returned and then whatever additions that they get you know they're probably not done adding you know uh freshmen who are killers you know like they, they probably didn't you know that wasn't an accident that they got you know uh, mimi and 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 some of the other folks uh like you know i'm, I'm really looking forward to next year yeah, it's a it's a talented um, group of underclassmen, to be sure, and it's um, not unlike um, women's basketball. You know, with when Sabrina came on board, you know they they got to the uh, they got to the lead eight in her freshman season, didn't they? And yeah. you know, uh, all on the backs of some youngsters, and so you you really had a sense that that uh they weren't done you know they were going to be back for another year two years three years and uh really put their stamp on the program and th- that's kind of uh how i feel about um this group uh uh yeah well we're definitely looking forward to it and, and um 
and, and, you know, well, like I said, we'll have to see how recruiting goes. You know, there's probably, you know, you know, this is a great, you know, proof, you know, like that, that, you know, Oregon's a serious volleyball school. Um, and like, you want to play West coast volleyball, uh, and do it at the highest level. Like, uh, you got two options and one of them requires getting into Stanford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back, we'll talk a little women's hoops. Uh, so a uh, uh, Oregon opened up their uh, conference slate um, with one game and one game only uh, is the the but against Oregon State their hated rivals um, mm-hmm. uh, took revenge uh, for the football side it was actually you know pretty close game it wound up being I, I believe an eight point win for the Ducks but uh, you know they um, but uh, you know it was tied you know uh, uh, pretty late i thought that oregon was basically in control of this game the entire time you know despite the fact that it was fairly close um you know i uh, oregon state you know put up a couple baskets late in the third quarter um to 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 make it close and they had a little run again to make it close in the in the the fourth quarter but like but then oregon sort of poured it on um and uh, in a particular just a, you know an absolute like career game uh 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 you know for india rogers um you know 34 points you know my goodness um uh you know uh, yeah shot, and shot well from the floor hit every one of her free throws which you yeah, know i eight for eight eight for eight on the free throw right, from the charity stripe which like you know i i pound the table on that one every week uh you know hit, <laughs> yeah. hit free throws, but like you know shot 60 percent you know uh from from the arc you know like mm-hmm. and like a couple of them were you know like those were the killers you know those were the the, the dagger you know three pointers you know she just couldn't miss um you know and uh yeah and, and she I mean, she also had moments. she also had what 10 points or something in the first quarter I mean the the uh, the ducks really rode on her production in the beginning part of the game, and I get the sense that um, the Oregon State didn't catch up uh, so much in the second quarter as yet yeah, the ducks just weren't finding shots. <laughs> they couldn't buy a shot there at the uh, end of the half. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, Rogers again, um, you know, stuck the dagger in the Beavers, uh, primarily off the uh, free throws. I mean, those every one of her free throws was yeah, just they, they solid won by eight, niche. and she hit free. You know, the Ducks won by eight, and she hit free, eight free throws. You know, yep. there you go, hit your free throws. Yep, and um, the Ducks made sure that. She was the one getting fouled. She had the hot hand, and so you come out with the win. Um, that you know, there there was a lot of uh, it was a, it it wasn't just Rogers. It was definitely a, a team performance. The uh, the thing that was interesting to me, you know, watching that game, um, I think the uh, well, number one, I really like the um. Uh, there's a chemistry with uh, Pow Pow and with Van Sluten um, there that like, I don't know, for a second there, it sort of made me, you know, feel like I was watching the Golden Girls again. Um, you know, like I, I was watching, you know, uh, uh, Satu and and, uh, and and Ruthie and Sabrina. Um, 
the, but then the other thing is uh Filipina Che. Um, good Lord. That is a big person. <laughs> and yeah. like, I mean, I, I knew that she's sort of like, I knew that she, I, I knew that she's tall. I mean, she's the tallest player for Oregon, I believe ever. Like she's six, eight, like, um, but like, I don't know, man, like I, I, it was, you know, cause Oregon's sort of been playing, you know, the last couple of games, um, have been playing some overmatched opponents. They're going to be playing a couple probably overmatched opponents coming up here, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. against Eastern Washington and college of Charleston, um, in the, you know, in this co- next coming weeks. Um, but you know, Oregon state is a Pac-12 rival and like, that's definitely a measuring stick, you know, kind of game. And like, you need like two measuring sticks, you know, to, right. to measure Che yeah. versus the Oregon state girls. It's just like, they, I mean, they, they did not have an answer for her. She was taking rebounds, you know, at will, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought, um, Oregon state's center played really well and she's just as tall as Che is. Um, she's, uh, she's a freshman. And so, uh, I thought her play um, against Filipina um, was was really good, you know, for being a, a youngster playing your first uh, Pac-12 game against a, a ranked opponent. Um, you know, it, it, it she did cause some problems um, for Che, um, but Che's improving with with every game and. Uh, yeah, she's she's going to be dynamite going into the Pac-12 season for sure. Well, she gets a you know Mitrovich, uh, the the center you're talking about, gets a rematch. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of, uh, or or not not the end of the year. The other game against Oregon State sort of smack dab in the middle of January. God, usually they finish up with that one. That's uh, oh well. Um, yeah, uh, they, they kind of went cattywampus with the basketball yeah, schedule this kind of, year. Good. I'm, I'm looking at it now. It's kind of like. Yeah, so they, you know, they, they, they come off the PK-85 in which, you know, they, they lost a heartbreaker to North Carolina. Um, uh, they had a great game against Michigan State. You know, then it's uh, Portland, Oregon State, uh, you know, th- that Pac-12 game sort of in the middle uh, of a bunch of, you know, out-of-conference games. And then, like, Eastern Washington, College of Charleston. Um, and then they go to another Invitational. They're going to the San Diego Invitational. They're going to play Arkansas to start out with. Um and then uh, USF or Ohio State, depending on you know how those games go, it's sort of it's a you know tournament kind of deal. Uh, before they come back um, and start up with conference play again, um, uh, I don't know. What, what are you looking forward to in this stretch? Like, what, what are you looking forward out of this team? Well, uh, I was kind of heartened at the way they um, were competitive against a, a team like North Carolina, and in spite of dropping that game, yep, they scored a lot of points and uh, they can keep up with just about anybody. So um, I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing, seeing them uh, advance and in the San Diego Invitational, um, I'd have to look at the, the rankings, but Ohio State is typically highly ranked in, in women's basketball. And I'm uh, interested in seeing how they match up against the likes of Ohio State. Uh, I'm interested in seeing um, – well, I, I, I want a lot of floor time for Tahina, um, uh, Pow Pow, because, you know, like I they, – they, her, you know – 
her her floor shooting needs to improve. You know, uh, uh, you know, despite despite Nia Rogers having a fan, phenomenal game, you know, they they shot pretty poorly from the floor. Um, and that's largely because, yep. you know, everybody else was uh, was well under, you know, 50 percent. Um, and, and Tahina, I think she only hit four shots, you know, in the entire game, um, excluding free throws uh, from, you know, from the floor. I mean, um, yeah, and it may have been a, a case where, you know, she recognized that um, Rogers uh, hand was hot. So, you know, sure. feed it feed it to the hot hand. Especially well, OK, but you only had four uh, assists. You know, too you know it's yeah you know like you know i understand obviously the, the you know graves passing system is a little more complicated than that it's not just a single shovel um mm-hmm. but like uh you know like there's no you know it, yeah she only made four shots on 15 attempts like that's that's not good you know nope. <laughs> like and and no, the other thing and- is I'm really enjoying like all the all the rotation, you know, like they've been doing like different starting lineups, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, every week. And I want to see like more experimentation. Like I, I don't like I, I, I really think that they've got something in Genesis and Ty Hansen, too. And like they weren't, you know, starting this game, but I think they combined for like, you know, almost 30 minutes. Um, and, and like I want to see more, you know, like I, I want to see sort of different experimentation. Um, that's really what right. I'm looking for. And yeah. Jenna Sai, when she's been in the game, has been uh, about as good a six player as you can ask for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her, her shooting is dynamite. And, um, but you're right about uh, Pow Pow. You know, you're not always going to have a game where Chance Gray is uh, hitting half her threes as well. And, um, yep, Pow Pow is capable of the three. Yeah, she's got to find that shot. Uh, well, uh, like I said, uh, Oregon's taking on Eastern Washington uh, at Matt Knight Arena on uh, Thursday, uh, and then College of Charleston on Sunday. Um, uh, uh, the, the other writers on the site are going to be covering those. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the games. Uh, you know, uh, basketball on the men's side, too, is like t- is taking on a couple of, uh, you know, non-conference, somewhat overmatched opponents. Um, so it's sort of a... It's a it's a tune up week for for Oregon basketball, um, and uh, should be interesting to watch sort of the experimentation. Um, and and hopefully they are not close games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I sure hope that uh, Will Richardson you know continues on the path that that he has because he he had just a fantastic game. Oh yeah, weekend. first triple double in a while. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll uh, talk about some of the transfer portal action on the football side. So, Badwater, you've got an article coming up uh, talking about all the transfer portal stuff. You know, it has been and uh, th- this will be a historic um, offseason in that there's been a couple of transfer there's not only the transfer portal rule um, that's changed where, you know, now you have immediate eligibility um, for, and like no excuse transfers um, or no, no fault or whatever. You don't have to give it like a reason or anything. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you combine it with some of the other things that have changed early signing day, uh, you know, uh, is on the 21st this year, which is about uh, two weeks and three days after the transfer portal window opens up. So like the transfers get the first shot um at you know at, at getting in and me and for a lot of teams may wind up bumping you know freshmen 
um, uh, you know, prep recruits. Um, and then the other, you know, interesting thing is, is sort of a, a way of, um, you know, because of COVID, they granted an eligibility holiday. So basically the entire 2020 season didn't count, like it didn't count for eligibility or for your clock, you know, t- ticking mm-hmm. forward. And there's sort of like a lot of teams find themselves having like a pretty big imbalance um, on their rosters. And so the NCAA to help, you know, deal with that, it declared a one year, although some people think they're prob- they are they, they may extend it to be two years, but a, a waiver of the initial counter rule. So there's two different caps in football that you got to worry about. You've got the over all 85 scholarship limit uh, uh you know cap meaning you know all the people on your team no matter what year in school they are you you can't hand out have more than 85 scholarship you know athletes at once and that rule hasn't gone anywhere that's the the total cap that that you have to you know uh, keep an eye on um but there's also this other rule that was introduced uh i don't know like 10 years ago or so it's basically to help deal with all the the gray shirting and blue shirting and phantom shirting that like um teams in a certain part of the country were using to sort of uh you know stack up their classes and, and recruit mm-hmm. like 50 dudes um uh, it's the initial counter rule and basically it says you know the initial counter says you can only add 25 new players no matter where they're from juco's transfers prep recruits no matter what um and as soon as they set foot on campus you know and, and i think take a class i forget exactly what exactly triggers it but like the instant they do that it eats up one of your 25 even if they you know have a cup of coffee and then take off like um like the way that jay toya mm-hmm. did for for usc to ucla last year like it still counts against your initial counters that's where the, the the word counter comes from anyway the ncaa has waived that so now you know theoretically if you wanted to you could eliminate all 85 players off of your roster and take 85 new players. Um, you know, theoretically, obviously nobody's doing that, but like theoretically that's possible this year. And so you have this confluence of, you know, a, a total liberty in the transfer portal, the, it opening earlier than early signing day and no initial counters to worry about. And, um, for a lot of teams that are in position where like they either have a new coaching staff or it's the second year for a new coaching staff and they couldn't, you know, they had to sort of deal with the hand that they were dealt um, in, in their first season. Um, and, and now they're sort of, you know, this is their first opportunity to really remake the team, you know, as they want to, like, which is the position that Oregon is in, like, boy, the transfer portal action is going to be real hot. Um, and it already has been, you know, Oregon's had, I believe, 17 players uh, transfer out um, and have have brought in two so far. Uh, there's probably a lot more to come. Um, so with that, you know, out of the way, you're going to be writing up this article. Is it had, you know, has anything been a surprise? Anything really struck you as like sad or, or happy or, or what do you think? Not really a surprise. The the vast majority of the players looking to transfer out from Oregon um, haven't been utilized very much in the past couple of seasons or so. And it's no surprise. You're a player that's recruited as a four or five star. Um, You've always been a star. And then um, you come to the Pac-12 level. And um, through injury or or um, you know, development or that kind of thing, you don't find field time. So everybody wants to play, and the uh, 
the players that I've seen with a couple of exceptions um, didn't have a, a whole whole lot of production this last season. Yeah, it, it's it's not a huge hit to the like to the immediate sort of production numbers. Uh, there's like you said, there's a couple of guys who were like, yeah, they were seeing some serious playing time, although they were not the top producers at those spots. Um, mm-hmm. But they hurt, you know, because they, you know, that wasn't potential out of them. That was like actual, you know, that was, you know, real production. Um, right. And then a couple of guys are sort of like, you know, their backups in a crowded room. And you sort of get, you know, like Sean Dollars in the running back room. You know, I like Sean Dollars a lot. He's like, he's actually really valuable as a change of pace back. Um, but and, and Cardwell. Yeah. Sure. Same, same thing. thing. We're really I never really understood year. with Cardwell. I think there was an injury or something. I never really got a complete story out of them. And I know there's sort of some social media drama. I don't know. I don't want to really get into it. But like, uh, but like, yeah, obviously it's a crowded room, you know, and, yep. you know, I guess where I'm going with this is like, you know, the, the other team in the Pac-12 that have had that's had a ton of players transfer out is Stanford. But for mm-hmm. Stanford, it's not I mean, like these are the 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 profile of Oregon's transfers out versus the profile of Stanford's transfers out are like it's night and day, you know, like Stanford, it really looks like the 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 from a program perspective the bad kind of transfers it looks like you know jumping off a sinking ship you know kind of you know we're like those dudes are starters those dudes are like backbone of the team guys you know like they're leading tackler you know on defense like a couple of their starting offensive linemen um you know guys with like eligibility left and like i you know i wasn't really wild about stanford's team to be honest but like when starters transfer out like um and, and it's a ton of them right whereas with oregon yeah. it's like it's guys who are who are either not really seeing the field or at the very least for backups or, or like guys who are like you know uh, you know guys like you know sean dollars or, or guys like uh you know um uh, the, you know, there's a few others, you know, on Jackson LeDuc, you know, in the linebacking core where it's like you could see it, you could see the development and you could see that like, OK, in a year or two, you could really de- definitely be like a starter, you know, like you could really be contributing. And like, I don't think that you're a bust. I do think there are some of the, the, the players on this Oregon transfer list that are busts, um, yeah. which like those happen, you know, like, uh, well, let me put a pin in that and come back to it. But like, there's dudes like Jackson to Duke where you're like, I don't think that you're a bust. I think that you were on a trajectory to be a contributor and, it, you know, it just hasn't happened yet. And so like, that's still less painful than the, like, than the Dante Thornton type of, you know, departure where it's like, Oh yeah, that production really was for real. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's the one that um, Oregon will uh, especially miss. And you know, they're, they're obviously looking uh, for ways by way of the transfer portal to fill that gap because yeah, Thornton, Thornton is a significant, you know, he's a significant loss into the transfer portal. But like almost everybody else, you know, on this list or, you know, virtually the entire list, it's not the Stanford list. You know, it's not the like, oh, my God, what are they going to do without him? You know, it's guys who are leaving crowded rooms. Um, It's guys who are sort of like it's potential, but it's not actual uh, yet. 
And it's and then other guys who are they're just busts. And I mean, I don't think we really, really need to, to name names, but you know, like I, I said, I put a pin in and I come back to it. So here we are. Like I maintain an entire, you know, player database for the entire Pac-12. Every every team in the Pac-12, and also all of Oregon's. You know, I use the same database tools for all of Oregon's. You know, big opponents. So you know, Georgia and Ohio State and and in North Carolina. I've constructed you know for the bowl game that's coming up and so forth. And like and, and in order to construct those. Have to go back to their last several recruiting classes and i have to track all the players who have left and like where did their production go you know and, and that sort of thing um you know use exactly all these same tools so like um and and and, and like what i have found is this iron law and it's true of every single team n- no exceptions none not a single exception is is the rule of thirds that any given recruiting class or any given, like no matter how you want to divide it up, you know, at position over time or, you know, what any, any group that you care to draw a circle around, you are going to find the rule of thirds where a third of those dudes are going to be, you know, starting contributors for you. A third of them are going to be busts and just basically never play for you, you know, not seriously or whatever, and they're going to transfer out or medically retire or, or, you know, there's going to be, you know, injury problems such that they never really see the field or, or just like that turns out that they're not very good, you know, athletes that are, are, you know, not capable of competing at this level, um, you know, despite what their talent evaluation was from the scouting services, like it just happens, you know, like it happens to everyone. And like, um, and then the, the final third is like in between, you know, which I, I, you know, guys who like you get a good year out of, and then they get hurt. And you never see them again, or like their career backups, but they never really rise to the starter level. Or you know, there's a couple. Of, I don't need to belabor this point. In between, um, and it just well, that, it, it, that's a faci- that's a fascinating stat. You know, to have uh, that kind of a stat reach so broadly across every team, it, it's just it's kind of every fascinating. Every team in every year, and yeah. and here's the deal: like every. If you talk to any football fan, they will tell you that their team develops players better than anybody else. And that they, and when I tell them the rule of thirds, they'll, their response is like, yeah, but for us, it's not 33% hit. It's, you know, we're hitting on like 40, 50% of our guys and our busts. It's only like maybe 10% of guys, you know, and it's like, no, it's not. Yeah, and, and and then you ask him like, well, what do you think you, you know your rival does? Oh, oh, our rivals are jackasses and clowns, and they're <laughs> star chasers, and their bust rate is probably like fifty percent, and they're only hitting on like ten percent of their guys. Like it's like the total mirror image of our team. It's just like, dude, you're making a fool of yourself, you know. And yet, that's like all of Twitter. Every single person that you would pull on Twitter would tell you that, you know. And they're all like publicly proclaiming themselves to be fools because, of course, they didn't have gathered the data in order to make the assessment. That's entirely a gut-based thing, and their gut is wrong, and it's informed by their emotions, and their emotions are stupid. Um, and it's you know why these people are not like serious, and I don't care to engage with them very often. Um, like the it, it is you know like. You know, now look, you take 24 guys, that means eight of them are going to be hits and eight of them are going to be busts. And sometimes, you know, on occasion, you find one school in one year where it's like 10 and six, you know, one way or the other. You know, they had a lucky year and an unlucky year, but that's it. You know, like it's Mm -hmm. one year and it's only like a dude or two, you know, uh, you know, beyond the beyond you know the expected level it's it's never sustainable to the point where you were like oh what a great staff you know they, they found a bunch of diamonds in the rough just like no no he didn't 
Uh, like it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. All, like all those cliches are just they're lies. Um, and, and so anyway, like all of this is just to say that like yeah, Oregon shedding this many dudes, you know, some of whom are busts. Like that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Like they their bust rate is the normal bust rate. Like. And, and, and anybody who and here's the other thing that's important is that like it doesn't matter what their star rating is star rating does not predict bust or no bust or you know bust versus hit what star rating is that if they hit that means that what they can do is better than what they're you know the people who are lower rated than than them can do so like a five star who hits can run faster and hit harder than a three star who hits but it doesn't mean that he's more likely to hit than the three star is Mm -hmm. um that is just you know i don't know what goes into it but it appears to just be like fate or you know random chance um and so like on balance, you want to assemble a bunch of five stars because that means, you know, if you have, you know, if you have a, a 65 stars on your team, then 20 of them are going to hit and 25 stars, you know, hit like Mack trucks, um, you know, and, and the other team that's made up of 53 st- or, you know, 63 stars of whom 20 hit like are going to hit like. I don't know, Miatas, um, like, the, <laughs> you know, like it's just, you know, that's what the star rating means. It means like, what is your potential? What is your ceiling? But whether or not you, uh, you, you max out and hit that ceiling, I'm sorry. It appears to just be random. Um, so like for anybody who's sweating, like, oh my God, look at all these busts on this. Li- look at all these, you know, first of all, these are not rats jumping off a sinking ship. That's not the case for Oregon. Like it is the case, I think for some other schools, but that doesn't appear to be the case for Oregon. And second of all, like it's, you know, the idea that like, oh my God, look at all these busts in this list. I'm so like, I was so hyped about this dude when he arrived and, and now he's gone and he never worked out. And now I'm sad and like, what a terrible, you know, st- you know, a bunch of developers or like the, the, the recruiting staff that acquired them. Like they, they didn't know what they were doing. They were star chasing. Like, oh my God, they didn't like, nah, man. Like I'm telling you every position, it, it's just, it's a normal bust rate. It, it's, it's totally normal. And of course it is because every team is a normal bust rate. Like there, there's very little variation. Uh, so like, yeah, you know, the players the, themselves, the players themselves uh, um, aren't going to look at that kind of situation in a statistical uh, manner, you know, yeah. Of course I not. was, I was, I was a five star. You know, why am I not playing? There's a, there's a lot of understandable emoting that uh, is going on in the heads of each and every one of those, those players that well, are transferring out. Yeah, and I, I mean, they just want to play. I mean, that is obviously true, but I mean, it's not entirely their decision. You know, they're getting. You know, that's why I started off right. talking about, like, you know, the, the waiver, the initial transfer rule and the remaking of the roster, which is going to be enormous. Like this, this roster, you know, I was on a different podcast um, and, and one of the hosts uh, pointed out that, like, OK, grab the um, grab the two deep from the Fresno State opener in 2021 and and put that side by side next to the two deep for the, the opener in 2023. Um, you, there's going to be like three guys <laughs> who are who are on both lists 
you know, like it's it, the team is, I mean, it's not going to be unrecognizable. And in fact, our job at addicted to quack is going to be, you know, uh, in some ways to introduce some of these new players to, to, to Oregon fans. And like one of the, the cool things about transfers is that I have a bunch of college film on them. I don't have to deal with just like huddle tapes that are highlight reels of your best play from this being shot from a cell phone from some dude in the stands and, you know, on Friday mm-hmm. night, like I've got real college film that, you know, for some of these like key transfers who are coming in, like, yeah, man, you better believe that's going to be an off season project for me. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, where I can be like, this is this dude's performance. Like I, I did that for 2020, you know, cause the season got started late cause of COVID, you know? And so I was like, Oh, I can go look at some of these transfers who are coming in. So I like, I looked at Anthony Brown's tape from, from um, Boston college. And I looked at um, Bennett Williams tape from Illinois and uh, San Mateo, um, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, 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 in, in fact, Bennett Williams, funny story is um, did you watch uh, last chance you on Netflix? I did not no. Their Their last season, um, they followed Lacey college. Um, and they're, they were coming off of a, a year in which they won, you know, a version of the Juco national championship. And they were not having as good a year in the year that last chance he was following them, but they're, if they won a particular game, they could have gone back to the playoffs and the game was against San Mateo. And, that was the year or one of the two years that Bennett Williams was playing for them. And in fact, there is a play at the very end of that game where, you know, if, if Lacey scores a touchdown, they're on the goal line. If they score a touchdown, they, they might win the game. And you know, who makes the tackle who prevents them from getting that touchdown and winning that game and going back to the playoffs. Of course. It's Bennett Williams. <laughs> and I actually Rose. found that clip in Last Chance U and put a clip of that, you know, in my article with with attribution, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, like if 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 you can identify a villain in Last Chance U for that season, <laughs> you can make an argument it's Bennett Williams. Yeah. Now, obviously, narratively, that's not true. The villains are the demons within all of us that causes us to, you know, not be able to or, or you know, certain players not to be able to achieve their full potential. You know, that's, you know, really mm-hmm. it's a story about human development. Um, but and 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 people at their last chance. Um, but if you could locate it in a traditional narrative sense of an externalized human being, yeah, Bennett Williams, uh, you know, that was real fun. So anyway, I did that for 2020. I sort of like looked at a bunch of the transfer players, you know, who had college film that I put together and like, I'm looking forward to doing sort of similar project. We will see how it goes. Um, there are two guys who come in that I definitely know I'm going to be writing about and I, you, but you get the first crack at them. Um, the two new transfers so far that Oregon mm-hmm. have gotten, uh, uh, what do you got to say about those guys? Well, um, I still have to do some looking at, at them, but um, Jacobson Holden definitely um, it uh, the, the Ducks are following the pattern of what they did last off season, mm-hmm. where they they really utilized the transfer portal well. They cleaned up, filling, man. I mean, they yeah. got a bunch of home run hitters, right? Like, yeah. let's go down who they got. Uh, for this last, which let's all remember the first thing this staff did once it was assembled was get players out of the transfer portal. You know, it wasn't, you know, prep for the opener against Georgia. It wasn't like devise what the offensive scheme is going to be. It wasn't figuring out the practice schedule. It was get these dudes out of the portal. And who do they get? They get Bo Nix, Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington, Chase Coda, uh, Gonzalez. Christian Gonzalez, they got Taki Taimani and Casey Rogers and uh, and um, 
the 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 third guy uh, from Nebraska whose name is escaping me, um, but who's uh, Jordan Riley, um, and uh, yeah, you know, I think they took I. Though they took one more uh, Chapman from from Texas A and M, who continued to be injured and he wasn't really productive for Oregon, but like everybody else, mm-hmm. home run hitters, every one of those dudes were starters. Like, and that that wasn't because they were playing favorites or anything. It's not like they shouldn't have been starters. Like, the, this staff has an excellent eye for transfer portal talent, and I'm really looking forward to who else they get. But so far, they've gotten to Justin yeah. Jacobs from um, from Iowa, who's a linebacker. Um, he had a really great um, 2021, and then I think he missed much of 2022 with an injury, but he was like in line to be their you know, next great linebacker. Iowa fans were really pissed off that they lost him yeah. to Oregon. And then Treshawn Holden, um, the wide receiver from Alabama, you know, who's had, you know, like 570 yards in his career so far in a, you know, in, in arguably the West best wide receiver room in the country over the last two years. Um, yeah. Right. And, and two positions uh, of need, uh, Oregon's oh, got other certainly. positions of need. And so it'll be interesting, um, where they draw from in, in the transfer portal because you know, the, the transfer portal these days is just as important. Maybe uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's more important than your recruiting. Well, but I mean, it's, more it, it's definitely I mean, a significant element. I'll say it. I, it's more important to your immediate success. You know, if yeah. you've got, if you've got holes to fill, you know, it's, yeah, sure. You know, get, you know, Oregon recruits at a level that if they get a true freshman who hits, he can, he can really be a difference maker at this level, which is not something that a lot of teams in the PAC 12 can say. So like, if there's an exception to what I'm about to say, Oregon may be it in terms of like, you know, no, go ahead and get prep recruits. Like I, you know, t- take a five-star prep recruit because that dude is a true freshman is better than a, he has proved himself three-star from a different program. Um, but for, for everybody else and probably Oregon included, nah, man, you want to win right away. You better make the transfer portal the centerpiece of, of your additions uh, this year. Like, I mean, it's just like like virtually every quarterback in the Pac-12 last year or, you know, last season was a transfer, you know, like yeah. UCLA, virtually every one of their defensive starters was a transfer. I'm not joking about that. Virtually every one of their defensive starters, I think it was 10 out of 11 were transfers. Um, and I mean, their their defense was garbage and they fired their defensive coordinator finally. And like, how do they rebuild it? You know, it almost transfer. entirely transfer. Portal. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's a that's just, uh, especially with quarterbacks, you know, uh, other positions as well. But with the quarterbacks, that's going to be kind of the paradigm going forward. Well, I, I can. I, here's another like lesson that I've learned from 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 database construction and management is that um, um, there's just about every position on the field. There's no such thing as, oh, he sucked at his previous school or he's only mediocre at his previous school. But at my school, he'll he'll be a killer because we've got such great developers like that. Sort of my running theme is there's no such thing as great developers like that. The idea that there's a staff that squeezes, you know, coal into diamonds like no, that doesn't exist like 
It it just doesn't like your your fan your delusional fan who who if you believe that that, that is the case. Um, guys play at the same level that is determined by their talent level. Um, you know, no matter what the school is. Um, there are two exceptions, or maybe like one and a half exception. Um, one of those is defensive line, but that's only if you're the wrong body type for an even versus an odd front and it may be a little too technical to get into, you know, but like you, the, the way that you construct an even front and the way that you construct an odd front, you know, defensive line, um, you, you are looking for a different configuration of body types. And if you're on the wrong type, then like, even though you may be a really good player, you, you don't really fit with that. And you need to transfer to a school that runs a system that where your body type is more useful. Um, now, of yeah, course, if you screw of- that up, if you're a three down player and you transfer from a four down team to another four down team, then that's not going to work out for you, you know, Right, and with uh, with the kind of um, turnover that we see in coaching staffs, it's it's not uncommon for um, a good player in a certain scheme to yeah not be the right player for the next coach, and you hit the right. transfer portal. Yeah, which is you know, but now you can do that on a limited basis. So go ahead. But the end. <laughs> yeah. but, but anyway, the reason why I say that's only like half of one is because it's still constrained. Like if you, if you, if you make the wrong choice, you know, you can still wind up, you know, not really, you know, playing any different. Um, but the one that sort of defies all of that, the exception to the rule is the quarterbacks. And you see it over and over and over again, you know, quarterback performance, it does appear to be heavily dependent on scheme, on protection, on your receiving options, and on how much, you know, for lack of a better term, you just click with the coaching staff, you know, the, the head coach and the, your quarterback's coach and your offensive coordinator, um, you know, because we've seen it over and over and over again. It's not a guarantee or anything, but like, you know, quarterbacks go from a situation that wasn't working for them at their old school, and then it does work for them at the new school in a way that doesn't happen for any other position, and you're fantasizing if you think that it will. But a quarterbacks, it can happen. It's not a guarantee, but it can happen. And I mean, every Oregon fan ought to know what they watched it, you know, with, with Bo Nix, you know, from Auburn to Oregon, where like completely mm-hmm. different situation um, in terms of like his offensive line protection and, and scheme and receiving options and it you know did wonders for him um and so like yeah you know no real surprise that i think it's in like 10 out of the 12 you know starting quarterbacks in the pac-12 in the 2022 season were transfers because like yeah yeah that can happen you know and and so like yeah you know i am looking forward to seeing how the quarterback position you know winds up playing out at, at oregon um and like finding transfer quarterbacks is more viable than ever before. And you could make an argument, a pretty strong argument that, that it is necessary at this point. Like it, it may be that going forward, it's foolish not to take a quarterback out of the transfer portal. Um, who's, you know, like, like the old model of you, you, you recruit a prep a quarterback every single year and that way you have a dude at each different you know point in his development um and, and year in school you know to pick from um and you you would pull down like a grad transfer quarterback as the old man in the room as your safety net i think that model's probably out the window um i, I think probably the model going forward is that you're going to take um w- 
one, definitely maybe two or even three transfer quarterbacks who have multiple years of eligibility left and that everybody's like basically trading quarterbacks, um, you know, each year and that, that like you'll take prep recruits to develop them in your hip pocket, but your primary option, it may be that we're looking at an era in which the most schools primary option to quarterback transfers, um, yeah. transfers with multiple years of eligibility, not the grad transfer safety net type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense because um, if you have uh, a transfer, uh, you have a, a known quantity. Sure, you know, with the with a uh, income or a known set of potential. You know, like you can watch yeah. Bone Nix and see that that dude's a very accurate quarterback, and you can see where the problems. Like if you watch tape on Bone Nix, you could see where the problems were, and you could see that the problems weren't his fault. Mm-hmm. So like known quantity in the sense of like looking just the stupid look at their production numbers, which a lot of football commentators did. And I spent a lot of time dunking on them. Um, We're just like, oh, we know who Bo Nix is. He'll never improve. And I'm like, you're going to eat those words, dude. And then I made them do that. Uh, (laughs) But like known quantity in terms of what is their potential? What is their capability? You know, like we've seen how they react to power five defenses you know yes that is definitely true if not you know they're actual with their potential yeah mm-hmm. and like i mean that's the thing with quarterbacks it's such a it's such a central well, central i mean that's an understatement like there's no there is no position in american sports in which you know it's a team sport but in another sense it's a one-man sport than quarterback in football um yeah and and buying a pig and a poke, um, which is, you know, what going with prep recruits, you know, who've never played before, like it, that may be that that may be untenable um, for most teams most years going forward. Yep. Yep. It's uh, interesting times for sure. All right. I think that's going to uh, do it for us this week. I'm looking forward to your article uh, on the uh, transfer portal uh, to date um, and going forward uh, as well. Um, and- yeah, we're going to talk, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the good and the bad. Yeah. Just because the, the, uh, uh, a player enters the, the transfer portal doesn't mean that their situation necessarily improves. I mean, Sure. Uh, there's a, a sizable percentage um, where the transfer portal option doesn't work out. And uh, uh, I'll be talking a little bit uh, about that. Too. I mean, that's going to happen. You know, there's, yeah. uh, you know, I've seen some stats that are kind of like, you know, there's more players in the transfer portal now than there have been in like the last three, three years combined, you know, stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know, don't, don't quote me for fact on that, you know, one, but you know, stats along those lines, just like it's, this is unprecedented. Um, yeah. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. All right. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up this week. Any parting words of wisdom for us, Badwater? No, go ducks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's my usual words of wisdom. Uh, uh, words to live by as well. Uh, Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll catch you on the flip side.